0: We are so excited that you are here to listen to the Script Cake Podcast. Go ahead, make my day. We want to help you develop your idea into a great screenplay, and who knows, maybe you'll write the next big blockbuster. So you're telling me there's a chance? Yeah! Well, there's always a chance, but let's not get ahead of ourselves. Are you ready to learn about screenwriting? Yes! Yes! All right, then, let's get started. Enjoy. Welcome to this week's edition of the Script Cake Podcast. I am honored beyond what you would know uh, to have our guest today. John Truby is a legend in uh, storytelling, specifically in in screenwriting. His first book is something that enlightened me in ways that no other book ever did. It's one of the books I recommend probably the most to people who are writers and they want to understand the craft even more. Um, it goes in depth in ways that most books don't they just give you kind of a you know a few little dots here to hit But his 22 points uh go into detail and beyond that exposed me to a thought process of really truly understanding how all the different systems within storytelling kind of have to come together and work together and it took me from this notion of you know trying to figure out how can i write something that's going to last for 90 minutes to how can I write something that's? I only have ninety minutes to write, uh, <laughs> because there's so much information that 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 process yeah. in there that just started building out that was so far and beyond my expectation at that point. Um, John doesn't need any introduction. Um, if you go to truby.com, t r u b y, you can see his store, the software, the diploma bundles, uh, the novels, the classes. John's been doing it forever, and if you know anything about screenwriting. You know who John Truby is. Welcome to the Script Cake Podcast, John.
1: Well, it's so great to be here, Lavender. I, I, it, it's, I've been looking forward to this for a long time. You have one of the best podcasts out there, and it's a pleasure to be here with you to talk about this story, subject.
0: Well, thank you so much. So uh, one of the things I always like to do on my podcast is, you know, get your origin story so I would love to know a little bit about your background cuz I don't think I know too much about it uh, other than I think you started out in Texas. Um <laughs> yeah, I happen to be sitting in Texas right now at the Austin Film Festival myself, so I wish you were here. But um I would love to know you know, where you grew up, a little bit of background and how you ended up in 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 this field.
1: Well, it it's I'm going to I'm going to make this as brief as possible. Uh Partly because I already know this story, um, but also because, you know, it's it's you're really asking an interesting question in terms of the intellectual origin of how all uh, I came to do the work that I do. Um, I was brought up in a military family. I was an an army brat. And so we moved around a lot Um, and when i went to college i got very interested in film and wanted to be a screenwriter and started to really study story at the deepest level possible i, I, I really looked at it as what is the philosophy of story and i was partly affected by the you know the the origin of all books on story, which is Aristotle's Poetics, which is to this day a very important text for writers to to read. And, And it taught me a lot. But one of the main things it taught me was that story is a process. And so I got very interested in seeing what are the processes that go on over the course of a story, because that's what they're trying to show us. And the most important process, of course, is the, the movement of the character, the character change. And so I began to, in trying to learn the craft of screenwriting, because I started so long ago, they didn't have all these books on screenwriting. It's hard for, for writers to believe that now, but that's the case. Um, and so I, I had to be self-taught. And what I did was try to break down thousands of stories, especially films, and not just not just Hollywood films, but European films, Japanese films, to get at something under the surface, the deepest level under the surface for the way stories work and why they succeed or why they fail. And from that, I developed my own th- story theory, which I then wanted to, for my own sake in terms of improving my own craft as a screenwriter, wanted to turn into specific techniques because the great problem that i think writers have when they read these all of these books is you know theory is fine it's f- fascinating but unless it's translated into specific techniques it doesn't mean anything because you can't do anything with it and and so many of these books are about you know talking about a film after it's made and this is how it works well that doesn't help you. That's analysis. That doesn't help you in terms of creation when you're facing the blank page. So it was very important for me to to turn theory into practice, into specific techniques that writers could use to write a great story that was r- unique to them. And that's really where I started. And I I in the business um, came became very early known as somebody who was very strong on story. And so I was brought in on multiple scripts and multiple films in order to see if we can improve the story, not necessarily fix the dialogue. It was more, let's get to the story level, make that work because as you know, Hollywood is all about story. And it's gotta tell a great story. Otherwise, the actual execution doesn't matter.
0: Right. Absolutely. And so you were working in the studio system at this point? Yes. Yes. Working uh, started, it, you
1: know, as, as you know, this is a small town. And when you get a certain reputation, it that reputation gets around fast. Mm-hmm. And so I began doing a lot of consultation work and and to this day do that um and that's that is my that is my expertise and um it it's allowed me because i've gone through so many it allows me to really be able to get very quickly at what the problem is but more importantly what's the solution this is what this is the hard part you know a lot of people can look at a at a script and say you know you got a problem here here and here Um, But what they're not very good at is, here's what I recommend you do that will fix that. And above all, what I've really become known for is how do you increase the narrative drive of the story? Because narrative drive is the single most important element in a popular, successful story in every medium, not just screenwriting, not just film. And so the studios are all about, you know, the, the first through tenth criteria that they use for a for a script in any genre is, does it have strong narrative drive? Because that carries worldwide. Mm-hmm. And so that's what that's what my story work is most focused on. So you know, it was a very natural jump then to go from Anatomy of Story, my first book to my current book, which is The Anatomy of Genres, because this takes it to another level. It takes it to what Hollywood has become over the last 40 years, which is a genre world. In all mediums, the the popular success in story is based on genres. It is a genre world. And in the book I talk about right at the very beginning that there are these three unwritten rules by which Hollywood works, by which the entire entertainment system works. And if you don't know what those rules are, you have no chance to be successful. And the first of these is what I just mentioned, which is that the entertainment business is in the business of buying and selling genres. We tend to think in terms of, oh no, they they buy and they sell movie stars or they buy and they sell these famous directors. And- No, that that is not even close to being true. They're in the business of buying and selling genres. And because why? Because genres are the all-stars of this story world. These are story forms that have been around and proven for hundreds and sometimes thousands of years. And so this is what the people at the top of the studios realize. In both film and television as well as in the novel world the publishing world that what sells worldwide are these major genres and that which break down into various subgenres. and so if unless writers understand exactly how to tell the genres that they are telling in their particular script they have no chance of success this is the real where the game is won and lost and this is why this what this book is based on it's it's how do you succeed how do you have a really good chance to break through and be successful in the current entertainment system today
0: no and i think you succeed in that sir i i applaud you um you know um i am not a newbie in this industry i've been working here for you know uh 20 some years which may seem like a newbie to some people. (laughs) I have a movie that I wrote that's currently filming right now. And I, you know, and so I've had some modicum of success and I cannot tell you how enlightening your book is to me. I mean, if I had a complaint, there's too much good stuff in here. So I (laughs) can't thinking about something and I'd be like, wow. And then two lines later, I'd be like, wow. And so um you take it to kind of this minute level, you really break yeah. it down to its, you know, essential elements. That that's absolutely right. And it and it gets back
1: to what I, I was saying at the very beginning, which has really been my approach to story from the from the first time I started, which was you've got to translate these ideas as big and, and lofty and these huge themes and that sort of thing, which are so important. You got to be able to translate them into techniques that can get it on the page and get it on the page in a way that doesn't preach to the audience. It is moving to them in a very deep way, in a very emotional way, in ways they don't even, they're not even aware of how you are working your magic on them. But, but we as writers have to understand what those techniques are to make it happen. And so that's why, this book is such a big book and it's such a detailed book because for for the 14 major genres from which 99% of stories worldwide are made in every medium, I needed to go, and, and this is really the way the, the book works, is that the first half of each chapter of a particular genre goes through all of the beats in order that have to be in your story to be able to do that genre properly. In other words, for the reader to say, or the viewer to say, that's my genre. I love horror stories, and you're doing it really, really well because you've got all those beats in there. But that's the first tap of the chapter because that you've got to have that. That you you can't even begin to get into the game unless you can hit the beats of that form. Mm-hmm. But That's where most people stop. And so what the second half of each genre chapter is, it covers how do you transcend the genre? This is the third rule I mentioned of these unwritten rules in the entertainment business, which is that you can't just hit the beats of the form. Yeah, you have to start with that. But if you're just doing that, you're telling the story that everybody else writing that genre is doing. That's not going to set you apart. That's not going to kick you to the highest level. No, what you've got to do is you've got to transcend that form. And there I, I go through in each chapter, how exactly how do you do that? And it's basically one of three ways and preferably all three ways. The first way that you do it is you take those beats that that everybody's familiar with, even though they're not consciously aware, but they know how those things work because they've seen thousands of these stories. And then you twist those beats, you take their expect the audience expectation, you flip it on its head, Mm -hmm. right? That's the first thing you do. And that's really important.
0: Yeah. I think uh, you talk about uh, taking their expectations and putting it in a different order. Yes, exactly. Common beats that you talk about.
1: Exactly. Because then what you're doing is you're immediately, again, they're not consciously aware of it, but they're they're thinking, whoa, that was a flip I didn't expect. Right. I love my genre beats, but if you can do them in a way I've never seen before, basically putting a new skin on the bones, then I've got not only have you, you get to have your cake and eat it too. I not only get to see my the beats that I love, but you've done them in a way that surprises me and and excites me that I've never seen. So that sets you apart from all of the writers in that form. But then we get to the really interesting part that it's what I say in the book is the real key to, for a writer to set themselves apart and to really become one of that top one or 2% of professionals working in, in, in that medium. And that is you each genre has embedded within it, within the structure, a life philosophy, a philosophy for how to live successfully. This is essentially the theme. Now most writers are afraid of theme. You know, and it goes back to the old Samuel Samuel Goldwyn line. If if you want to send a message, send it Western Union. You know, they they don't want to they don't want to be heavy handed. And they're absolutely right. You don't want to be heavy handed in your theme. But what writers then do is they 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 avoid theme altogether. Uh-huh. No, you don't want to do that. You want the theme. If you have a great theme, it really it makes your story so much more exciting, so much more popular to the audience because they're dying for that. They're dying for an understanding for how do I live my life well. And so that's got to be that is that's carried in the theme. But the beauty of each genre is that each genre, has its own philosophy of life embedded in the structure and so what i do in the second half of each chapter is explain what is that life philosophy and how do you express it in your story and this is to me the really revolutionary part of the book and what i think will do more for writers than certainly anything
0: I've ever done in the past. No, I I couldn't agree with you more. I can't tell you how many times, you know, I can't. And I've been around the block. I have my own book on screenwriting. And still I'm reading this and I'm, you know, you're nodding your head and you're like, <laughs> oh my God, I think I knew that, but I didn't know that I knew that. Does that yeah. make sense? Yeah. And so it's it's shining a light on something that. It has to be true because I already somehow internally had some notion of it. But to have mm-hmm. the clarity of vision that you have, an explanation, it takes it to a whole new level. And it, you know, it, it just shines a light on it. it, makes it nice and crystal clear to understand. So yeah. uh one of the things I want to do is I want to, you know, first just kind of talk about how did you choose um the genres? Because when I first looked at your table of contents, you know, I'm like, oh. I thought this one and that one would kind of go together, but they're not together or something like that. You know, right. for example, a detective story and a crime story. You kind of feel right. like those are the same thing, but you right. clearly delineate between them. So what was your criteria yep. uh, for picking your genres? Well, great question. The
1: First of all, it turns out that of these 14 major genres, they tend to break into three major families of genres. So these are genres that are related to each other. They have certain similarities, but but they're also distinct from the others in that family. So for example, you will have one family is action, myth, and Western. Another family is made up of what you just mentioned, crime detective thriller and gangster and so what i i talk about them first of all as families and and why is that important it's because one of the biggest mistake writers make is when they first come up with that story idea they pick the wrong genre to express it with to 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 be the vehicle to carry that story mm-hmm. and i know you've talked about this in your book which is is you, you can start off with that concept but translating that into the story that's a whole different animal that's very tricky and this is one of the ways they make a mistake right at the beginning and that's why knowing that these some of these genres are part of the same family is very helpful and where this is especially uh very especially helpful is in the crime family because here if even though they are related if you choose the wrong one to express your crime story it will take it in radically different directions and if you pick the wrong one you won't get anywhere near out of that concept that that the juice that's there or what i call the gold in the idea so so it's that's why i i in the book right at the beginning of each chapter I have a section of how does this genre compare how is it similar and how is it different from all of the other genres and that allows people to understand oh I'm doing a detective story here not a crime story mm-hmm. right or I'm doing this is this is science fiction not horror and it also allows you to is another another thing that I talk about which is that I I mentioned the first unwritten rule and this and the third unwritten rule second one is that in popular story today it is almost every story is almost always a combination of two but usually three or four genres this is the mixed genre strategy and it is absolutely essential to understand to have your story have a chance to be successful in the market and why it's because The the Hollywood system, the the studios, the publishers and so on are trying to give the reader, the viewer two or three for the price of one. This is a trend that has been happening at least for the last 20 years and really more than that, which is which is mixing genres. And why it because it gives us denser plot. Mm -hmm. And the reason is that with one genre, you have maybe 15 to 20 beats that are in that form. And and that is valuable because each one of these genres, of course, first and foremost, is a plot system, right? But notice, as soon as you mix that with the second genre, you double the number of plot beats in that story. Same story length, double the beats. You get three genres together, you go up to triple the beats. This was the original core reason why Star Wars, the ori- the first Star Wars, changed the industry worldwide, and it's never been the same since. It's because Star- the original Star Wars was the first m- major mixed genre story, and it had massive worldwide success. And Hollywood the entertainment business at large has been using that approach ever since. So the you know the the answer to your question is that i wanted to be very clear about how each individual genre works but also and this is especially in the second half of each chapter when i talk about transcending the genre i talk about combining genres because typically a transcendent an example of a, tran- a story that transcends the genre will be one that has mixed two genre two major genres together for example in horror there's there's two major ways that you transcend that form one is horror plus myth and that basically gets into the deeper story of religion and this is a story of this is the religious story and by religious story i don't mean talking about particular gods and so on i mean talking about giving us an understanding of how to live in this world and if not this world then we go to the afterlife and we get our reward there the other way that you transcend horror is you mix horror with science fiction and that gives us the evolutionary epic that you get with things like um which we'll call it, uh, 2001. So understanding not only the individual genre you're working in, but the the genres you're mixing is absolutely essential to writing. Again, writing something that stands out from what everybody else is doing and really expresses that deep theme that the audience is really craving. Because, again, genres are – each genre is a plot system what most writers don't get is that each genre is also a theme system and in the book I explain exactly how you express that genre's theme in the most powerful way possible.
0: Yeah, I mean, you mentioned horror and let's dive into that for a couple seconds. There's sure. a, a bunch of stuff that you said in the uh, in the chapter on horror that really kind of hit home. Uh the first thing was talking about religion. Because I think you say something along the lines of uh living uh, is interesting in that every day that you live you're moving closer to death and horror is about life and death and yep. you know religion is the uh i guess the anecdote or 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 story you know, form story form that works with that because religion basically sells an afterlife exactly that there was exactly. something more going on there and you took it to such a deep level philosophically Um you know i just had to sit back like i'm sitting right wow. now and just like huh and start thinking about that can you talk a little bit more about um those core elements because whenever you break sure. down each one of these genres you talk about it about specifically like i said with horror it's about life and death it's black and right. white and right. then and then you attach it to religion in a way that i had never consciously thought of yeah that was that was mind-blowing to me can you expand on that
1: sure um it's it's really it, and it gets to the heart of the question you asked a few minutes ago, which is why the genres in this order. One of the most revealing things to me in writing the book was that because each of these genres expresses a unique life philosophy, the way you sequence the genres, or the way I would sequence the genres in the book, gives us a ladder of enlightenment. From the lowest, which is horror, followed by action, going all the way up to the highest, the most human, if you will, which is fantasy, followed by detective, followed by love. And it isn't to say that the life philosophy of any one of these genres is better than the other. It just takes us up the steps of more and more understanding of what are the highest things that we that we need to do to give us the very best life possible? Now we start with horror because, as you mentioned, it is about life and death. It is it is primal. It is the most primal of all story forms. And what it's what it basically it is it's a form that says we are all going to die. We cannot accept that. We cannot believe that. This magnificent creation, which is the human being, can get to the apex, the full flowering of who we are as individuals, only to have that suddenly stop and be gone forever. The human mind cannot handle that. It cannot, it's never in the history of philosophy, in the history of the world, has never been able to get its mind around that. So, what does it do? It comes up with a story form, which is religion. And I talk about each one of these. Genres has a life story form that it deals with. For example, re, re, the horror story deals with the life story of religion. Action deals with success. Myth talks about the life process. Memoir and coming of age are about creating this self. All the way up to love, which is about the art of happiness, which love says we, we, we get happiness through a day-to-day recipe of loving one other person and it's about it's not it's not just the feeling of love that's the smallest part of it it's about how do you love it is about the moral act of loving another human being and learning how to mix their desire with your desire so that both of you become better human beings together so but back to the 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 baseline hor says, we are all gonna die. So how do you respond to that? And so the highest response to that are various forms of religion. And all forms of religion are basically moral codes. They are they are various parables about how to live in this life so that we can get to an afterlife, so that we can defeat death and what what the the story of religion basically is if you were to break it down in terms of story which i do in that opening chapter is it's a combination of horror and myth and it uses the myth form to structure it but it has the horror theme which is basically what are the reward for a good life and what is the punishment for a bad life if you if you live in this life well and it, which means essentially acting morally toward others then we will let you go to heaven if you do not if you if you commit pain to other people if you hurt other people then you're going to go to hell and that's and w- one of the, my favorite parts of the book was breaking down the Christian story in terms in, in story structure terms. And what's, what's, and I talk about, well, why is this, you know, story, this particular story so powerful that billions of people have followed it over the centuries. And I, I talk about it in terms of, it's the combination of first of all, the myth form used for the christmas story the birth of the child right and it's the easter story which is the horror story form which is the death of this person followed by the rebirth and his rebirth allows us to have our rebirth so though it's the combination of those two forms the hopefulness and the beauty of the birth of the child followed with the by the rebirth of the man, it's that combination that is so appealing as a story. And that's what that's what followers of this
0: moral code are really excited about. Would it be uh, out of line to say that was the first mixing of the genres?
1: That's a really interesting question. I would say not necessarily the first mixing of the genres, because we, you know, we tend to think that way because we've we've grown up in that tradition, you know, the G, Judeo-Christian tradition. But one of the things I talk about in the myth chapter, which is, you know, just a huge form, it's a huge genre, and it's been around for thousands of years, but But it goes all the way back to in terms of a modern myth form is also one of the earliest, which is the Epic of Gilgamesh. That's actually a mixed genre story. Um, And it's what's really interesting about it. I break that story down, too, which is it's both one of the oldest uh, stories. It's also one of the most modern because it is a story of natural immortality. As opposed to we get immortality by following a God, it says, no, we get the only immortality we get in this life is to tell our own story. And in that sense, it's that self-reflexive. That is very modern. And yet it was, I think, I
0: think Gilgamesh
1: is about 2,500 years old.
0: Right. Wow. And you actually tap into uh, Christian story in a lot of different genres. I think it uh, was it crime where you said Cain and Abel was the first ever crime story. It's actually it's actually in the horror story.
1: I talk about that right up front. Um, oh, no, you're right. You're right. Um, Adam and Eve is is the first horror story. Um, Cain and Abel is the first crime story.
0: Absolutely right. Absolutely right. Yeah, it's uh, it's amazing. You know, I'm not Christian, and yet I knew every story you are talking about, and I knew yeah. you know transcend it transcends religion. It really does. Yeah. Well, these these stories are so powerful,
1: and one of the things that was so much fun for me in writing this book was through the lens of these genres to be able to look at stories which we've all heard our whole lives and been around. Some cases, thousands of years. And saying, oh, that's why it works so well. That's why, you know, even if I don't believe that particular religion, that story is huge. And and it's just, that's the power of genre to be able not only to see, obviously, it's fun to see other stories and to see, oh, that's why it works. But to give writers the tools to create that kind of story for themselves. Because that's what we're shooting for. This book is not just how do you write a story in that genre, it's how do you write a great story in that genre. It's, and that's where the transcending comes in, because that's how you get to greatness. And for me, that's what everybody should be shooting for. You may not get there, but you got to have that ambition, because that is going to, especially if you have the tools and use the techniques, there is a path to get there. And I firmly believe that if people put in the study to understand the techniques and then apply it to their story, they can get there.
0: Right. You know, I think that uh, a lot of the movies that come out, a lot of the scripts that I read, especially because I, I teach a lot of, you know, introduction to screenwriting classes and whatnot, if I was to, you know, uh, put a metaphor to what their stories are, it would be like a waiting pool. I can't really dive into them. Yeah. You know what I mean? Yeah. And, and I think that the more you learn about story, you know, it's still beginning, middle, and end, page 1 to 90, 1 to 21, 20, 120, whatever it is. But it's about the depth of your story. And, you know, if you have a reasonably successful movie, I think it's the equivalent of diving into the deep end of a pool. Yeah. okay, I can get in there. It's a much more enjoyable experience. But this book. It's like diving into the ocean. <laughs> it's a whole different level of information that's there, and it is fascinating. So before we get too much further, one yep. thing I would like to do is, let, do you mind just going ahead and listing the 14 genres and then talking a little bit about each one? Because I love how you you kind of cut to the core of what the genre is. You know, For example, action is about being successful, not morally right, you know? Right. You know, memoir is not about the past; it's about creating your future, which is such an interesting way to look at it. And I would love for you to at least give our listeners a flavor of each one of these genres, so they can get a better understanding of of where you're going to take it and what they can learn. Sure, sure. Well, you know, that's a great question. Let me let me just
1: give people an overview in terms of I mentioned a few of these stories and what they're really about, what what this the story form that's underneath the story. Um, But let me just go through all 14 and and in the sequence that we talk about them in the book, uh, I mentioned horror is is the in its deepest sense is story of religion. Action is about success. Myth is the life process. Memoir and coming of age stories are creating the self. Science fiction is about science about creating science, society, and culture. So it's very big picture. Crime is about morality and justice. Comedy is about manners and morals. In other words, it's morality on the day-to-day level. Western is about the rise and fall of civilization. Gangster is about the corruption of business and politics. So if the Western is about the creation and the rise of the American dream, the gangster story is about the fall, the corruption of the American dream. And those two happen to be my two favorite chapters in the book. Uh, I, and and the, the, it, it often surprises people how closely connected Western and gangster are. But they're really just the gangster is an extension of the Western, but it's the downside, the negative side, as opposed to the rising and the upside of the Western. And then we get to the, the three highest, which is fantasy is the art of living. So it's not fantasy, not just about creating those fantasy worlds out there. You know, It's really about how do you make your life a work of art? How do you live with style and freedom? Mm-hmm. And then we get to detective and thriller, which is about the mind and the truth. The detective story basically tells us how to think how do you think well how do you think at such a level that you can get to the truth and it says well we do that by by comparing stories and that's what a detective story is it's comparing stories of different characters as to who might have committed the crime and the detective is basically an artist scientist he's a combination of an artist and a scientist and what he does is he compares the clues Puts together various stories of what might have been, what might have happened, and comes up with the real truth. And then, of course, uh, at, the top, at the at the highest level, we have love, which, as I mentioned, is about the art of happiness. Um, so, you know these these are these are such grandiose topics that you get, and I and I and I I, I don't want writers hearing us today to get to, to be afraid to say, Oh, you know, that's way, way too much. I, I, I can't, I can't handle that. No, the book, as you mentioned at the beginning is extremely detailed and it's detailed because I take in each chapter, I take you step by step technique by technique, beat by beat in terms of the, the beats at the beginning of the story, through the middle of the story, through the end of the story, in order to allow you to create this framework that you can get into these deeper themes. And then depending on your story, your main character, your plot, you don't deal with all of those themes in that genre. You deal with the themes that pertain to the story problem that your character is facing. So it's it's uh, again, it's very ground up a very ground up organic approach. And I know you you talk about organic approach as well. And it's so important to tell a story from the inside out, from the ground up. And that's what the book does, is it takes you from the ground up, beat by beat, and then you add these more advanced elements on top of the structure that you've created. And I I, I, I tell writers this, you will be amazed truly amazed at what you can create
0: no um and i was amazed (laughs) as i was reading this book and i will let you know almost on a weekly basis i'm reading a new screenwriting book yeah okay and there's uh you know all of them have something to offer sure Um, even a few weeks ago i don't know if you got to listen to the interview with bill indick about the psychology of screenwriting
1: Mm. there are a lot
0: of parallels. Uh, right. between that book and this book uh he breaks down westerns in a way that i had never looked at and right. then okay wow that's, my mind is blown now i understand yeah. westerns and then i read your book and you break down westerns in a way that i had never looked at <laughs> and now my mind is blown and i think it's this fundamental understanding that um is what's lacking kind of across storytelling you know what i mean um Let's go back to your first chapter, because I think, is it called The World of Story? The World as Story. The World as Story. Thank you. And can you talk about that? Because even some of the, uh, you know, as you're laying the foundation of what this book is going to be, it's kind of amazing how uh, psychological yeah. all these things are and how they impact the audience. Can you expand on that? Uh, let me see. I, You know, one of the things that uh, I had a difficulty with when I was reading your book was I was making notes and I know I got to page nine and I had two pages of notes. Yeah. Like this is not going to work because <laughs> there's so much data and information in here. That's so good that I yeah. want to share. And, you know, we only have an hour to go through it, but you know, yeah. you said something when we don't understand how the world truly is, it's deep structure. How can we fit into it? Yeah. You know, and you said the solution is to use stories as a model. Can you expand yeah. on that?
1: Absolutely. The The reason I start with the very opening chapter is titled The World as Story. It comes down to this very basic idea that is that everything else in the book is based on, which is that we don't just tell stories. We are story. Mm-hmm. Story is the way that the mind works. Story is the way that we, first of all, understand the world and then learn how to act properly in the world so it's both our understanding of of how the world fits together but then it is gives us a moral code for how do i live well how do i live successful especially with other people and so you know this idea that the world is as story that the world is story is fundamental because it says that We we begin life creating our first story, which is the story of ourselves. Our own consciousness works that way. When we're first born, uh, as you know from the anatomy of story, I, I talk about the seven steps. And one of the interesting things about each of the genres is each of the genres works through the seven major structure steps, but does each step in a unique way. As well as add special story beats of its own. But the the I was mentioning that the first story that we tell is the story then that we see the world for the rest of our lives through, which is my my own self. I create myself when I start off with I the, the first structure step is weakness D. Well, I start off hungry, baby's born. Starts off hungry. That's that's a physical weakness, and the nourishment of the milk is that's the desire, that's the goal, that's going to solve the the weakness need. But as you get a little bit older, you start to see you start to see the difference between allies and opponents. Opponents are people who are going to prevent me from getting my goal. And from then on, whatever self that you create for yourself is going to be the filter that you will see the entire world through for the rest of your life. Now hopefully you will not become frozen in a particular ideology you will you'll be able to have enough flexibility to grow. But this idea that the world is story is fundamental because then what that means is the different genres are are like a kaleidoscope each is a different Model for how the world works, and it's a different model for how to live successfully in it. And that's and and that gives us, of course, ultimately the theme of each of these genres. But it's really, uh, I think, revolutionary in the sense that it it says that it poetics isn't just isn't you know as Aristotle said isn't just the theory and practice of story. Poetics is the theory and practice of how we live. And that's why this book took me so long to write. It's why it's so detailed. It's why I put so much emphasis on the theme of each of these story forms. And it just so happens that I believe those are also the elements that are what will allow a writer to get to the level of greatness in their writing and in their life.
0: No, it is a fundamental understanding, you know um you said that if poetics is let me see let me see how you phrased it properly uh if human life is poetics the knowledge we get from story is the greatest knowledge of all and that's you know mind bending <laughs> it vampire, is because you know you know most people sit down i want to tell a story about you know a vampire and they start writing right. but um when you start digging down at the deeper and deeper and deeper layers one of the things i say in my book is um, you know, art is medicine for our souls. Yeah, and absolutely right. I think, I think that you break it down so much further than that. Uh, you know, understanding specifics about that, how stories are maps of humanity. Yeah, and, you know, when you think about it, when you have a friend who's going through something, what do you do? You tell them the story of when you went through it and how you kind of got out of it. That's so right, designed to help them evolve and learn. And uh, I think you know, on a very shallow level. All of us are kind of aware of that but on a deeper level you know the way that you break it down it, um, you gave so much clarity and i think that's the that's the thing that, that that i'm so grateful for with this book is that yeah i kind of understood that but now i understand it with such a clarity that um, it will definitely impact my writing in the future. There's there's no two ways about that. Now, uh, one of the things that you mentioned in this last uh, um, answer you gave to my questions was you mentioned the seven major steps of the story code, which is in, in, your, in your first book. But you said they're different for all the different genres. Can you give me an example of, you know, let's go with uh, the opponent. How is the opponent different in two or three different genres? Can you explain that, please?
1: Sure, absolutely. Um, Let's take some genres that are quite, quite you've thought of as quite opposite from each other. Um, Let's go back to horror again. In horror, the opponent is called the monster. But in really good horror, it's not just some creature that's walking around killing people. That's low-level horror. In really good horror, the monster is the character's great flaw their weakness need turned into a a character which then
0: attacks them relentlessly right let's go to the other well let's, let's stay there for one second uh, I yeah. think frankenstein as one of the yeah. examples for that can you explain how that applies to frankenstein absolutely uh, and Frankenstein
1: is the model for in 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 every one of the chapters. As I said, I go through how to transcend in the horror story. I talk about the first and most important way to transcend the horror story is with the monster, and it works like this. Here's the technique: the the over the course of the story, the hero and the monster flip. In other words. At some point in the story, the monster becomes the hero. Frankenstein is the first place it was ever done. And all transcendent horror stories after that use that technique. And so what you get there is now this is not normally done in story in general. But this is how it works in horror because in horror, we start off fearing the other. The monster is the other. It's the outsider. It's the person who is outside of our community. And so in a really high level horror story, as opposed to a slasher film, a really high level horror story, this is a character who the audience is going to find out that actually is the most human person in this entire story. And the people we thought were the heroes, the human beings, turn out to act like animals over the course of the story. So we're going to get, we talked at the very beginning about the, the basic way you transcend is to flip the beats. And what that does is that flips the expectations. It's a perfect example of you doing that. We don't expect this monster, this horrifying at the beginning of, of any transcendent horror story. That monster is horrifying. But so so we ex- make that take that to its extreme. Then when they flip to the other side, the shock, the revelation to the audience is even greater. So the the book is filled with these very specific techniques of how each genre transcends its form. So again, let's, let's jump to the love story. In the love story, the first main opponent is the lover and this is always very surprising to people because obviously these are two people attracted to each other who, over the course of the story, are going to fall in love. How could that my, be the opponent?
0: Yeah, my wife and I, like I just told you, we celebrated our 21st anniversary. And there are moments where we are the opponent. Exactly. <laughs> one another. exactly. Not, not often, but yeah, it's definitely there. Yeah.
1: Because it gets to the deeper theme that I mentioned, which is learning the the, the lesson of the great theme of love story is learning how to love. And that is a moral action. It's how to love and live with another person to form a community of two. Yeah. And so, again, what you do is there, this structural flip is very tricky. And that's why I talk about in the letter story chapter, in my opinion, one of the most, if not the most difficult genre to do well. And it's because the, the desire that's... Structure step number two, the desire, and the opponent, structure step number three, are the same person, right? I want her. She's also the main opponent. And so the writer trying to track that has no idea where they're going to go during the story. Is there an attraction, repulsion, attraction, repulsion? And it's very hard to keep track of that. But, but then what you do there is... And it's the only major genre where you have not one, but two major characters. And so you give both characters a strong weakness need. That's about love. It's about their, they start off not knowing how to love or being unable to love. And over the course of this story, by working through the conflict that they go through in the courtship process, Each learns a self-revelation and they each learn from the other. And it's the blend of the best of both. That is the author's view of the best way to live through love. Can you give us one of the examples uh, of a love
0: story that works like that?
1: Oh, sure. Um, You look at any of the any of the great love stories and there have been a lot of them. You know, Um, a perfect example is and, and. One of the best, if not the best romantic comedy, in my opinion, ever is When Harry Met Sally. Um, Both of those characters have, you know, flaws that they start off with. They come into conflict throughout because they think that, you know, certainly Harry thinks that, you know, men and women cannot be friends. So this is this is fundamental to his flaw she has her own flaw of being afraid of love in certain ways um and and over the course of the story they come together in marriage and what that really is is that's a deeper that 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 really means two people who have learned to go from competing with each other for power or control in the relationship to two people who realize we are stronger together than we are separately mm-hmm. and so i each one learns i've got to sacrifice some of what i want to help the other person get what they want and if we each do that then both of us will be stronger and have greater success both in work and in love but some of the other some of the other great love stories that i talk about silver lining's playbook 500 Days of Summer, I go back one, to one of the great, uh, still great uh, romantic comedies, The Philadelphia Story. Sideways is another one I break down and talk about a lot. Um, and, you know, an interesting thing, uh, we're talking about love stories, that I point out in in how you construct a love story is the master of the love story, the the, com- the modern love story is Jane Austen almost every major technique that you see in a modern love story, and especially a modern romantic comedy, she came up with. And so, you know, this is why this is why understanding stories and understanding stories that are sometimes decades or centuries old is so valuable for writers now, not because you want to copy that, but because you want to see the techniques that they're using that you can use to tell
0: your original story. Mm-hmm. yeah one of the things that i love about the chapters is in each chapter you take us back to the first ever version of a story like i think uh the one that shocked me the most was sci-fi didn't you go back yeah. to is it the tempest that you didn't sci- sci-fi i did
1: i did yeah, i, mentioned I would, right at the
0: beginning i would yeah. never have predicted that the first sci-fi story was shakespearean right Right, yeah.
1: Well, Shakespeare was first for a lot of reasons, and, and that's that's an example of it. I also mentioned it's in its own, in its own unique way. It's the first Western, um, but right. Yeah. You said it was both. That's exactly right. Oh, yeah. That's right. And 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 that's one of the things. I'm glad you brought that up about the examples because I tried to use examples that were both relatively recent, but also examples that created the form. Because in order to see what new things you can do in the form, you have to see how the form was first set up, because then you're going to do variations on that. And the, the reason you're going to do variations on that is that the ones that set up the form, it's it's not that that's a hard and fast rule written in stone. It's the the story problem that that genre is solving. That doesn't change over time. You know, humanity is humanity. And these are just different Forms that human humans trying to solve a life problem take, and the reason these are the fourteen most popular genres is because, as I mentioned, they're the all stars of the story world. They've been proven over, in some cases, centuries and thousands of years, to be so fundamental, so essential in terms of how they explain human behavior, that it works. It just works. And so I, I, I like to use, I mentioned Frankenstein. Frankenstein started the modern horror story. And if you want to write a great horror story to this day, you had better understand how Frankenstein works and what's really going on there because it's also one
0: of the most misunderstood stories ever written. No doubt. And uh, another thing I like is how you... Talk about this is the greatest version of this genre for me. The right. one that stuck out to me was The Last Samurai. Now, right. I know it's an action movie. You mean you mean, you're, you mean Seven Samurai? I'm sorry, Seven Samurai. My song. Yes. I apologize. Yes. Absolutely. Seven Samurai. I know it's an action movie. I know it was the greatest action movie of all time. Can you tell me why that is? Absolutely. First of all, because... I believe it came out in 1954. And this
1: is an, uh, an absolute fact. It's not just my opinion. I'm saying it's the greatest ever. It Every writer and director of action films since Seven Samurai has stolen heavily from that film. And, I, and when I talk about uh, Seven Samurai in, in my story courses, I always say every writer and director since Seven Samurai has stolen heavily from that film and so can you because it's it has first of all it's one of the most it creates an entire society it's totally a transcendent action story and i talk in in the action chapter about how do you transcend action and the main way that you do it is you write an epic action which is typically some form of war story and the other way the other two subforms that you see where you're transcending the form is in the heist story which is action as game and the sports story and these are taking the principles of action to the abstract level but in the case of seven samurai you're getting one of the greatest what i call the greatest action epic since the iliad and in many ways and it's interesting and i won't you know go through it in detail now but But um, uh, Kurosawa and his co-writers borrowed heavily from the Iliad. And they essentially wrote a modern Iliad story. But if you look at how it's put together, he creates an entire society that is unique for two major reasons. First of all, it tracks a society as it's about to undergo a fundamental change because it is about the death of the samurai class. These samurai are on their last legs and they know they're almost obsolete. And that makes their 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 action to defend the village even more noble because they're getting nothing out of this. They're getting they're getting food basically. And and the cost of it is that most of them are going to die. Right? So it shows a society Undergoing fundamental change. It also shows a society with class differences and action stories never do that. They don't care about class differences. It's all about how do you become successful? How do you win? Right? Well, no, this is way beyond that. This is, these are characters who are fighting a particular fight, but the larger society is a fight. They will not win. They will lose. And You see this in also the transcendent Westerns are also about, they're they're known as the anti-Western, Unforgiven is an example, but these are stories about the next generation of the West. When the West, the classic West had passed, they typically take place around 1900. And essentially the cowboy is obsolete. And because the new world, the city world, no longer the wilderness it's no longer the the village of the west the city world is coming on and in things like butch cassidy and and uh and the wild bunch and so on they don't understand it and the only thing they can do is try to survive but that larger world is so much beyond them what their experience is that they can't do it so it's always a very negative story but but Seven Samurai is just—I uh, I point out that it's not only the, the the greatest action film ever, and I don't think anybody would would disagree with that. For me personally, it's the greatest film ever made, and it is—I consider it the ultimate—the ultimate film school in terms of for screenwriters. You can learn a massive amount of great storytelling just by looking at that film again and again and understanding the structural elements by how this story works, funneling down to that final action battle scene, which is the greatest action scene in the history of film. Wow. (laughs) <laughs> yeah,
0: that's what I said.
1: That's what I said the first time I ever saw it. And every time afterwards that I've
0: seen it. I I think I saw it in film school, maybe 20, 30 years ago. I feel like I need to go back and watch it again. And I definitely will. I, I tell writers, Lavender,
1: I tell writers, see it as many times as you can. You will, you will learn so much every time because the, the texture, the overall structure, everything about it is so brilliantly written.
0: Yeah. There are at least a half a dozen movies that I revisit fairly often. You know, yep. and it always blows my mind where I notice something. Um, mm-hmm. you know, I know a lot of people think Citizen Kane is the greatest movie ever made. And, you know, I love that movie for a number of reasons. But, you know, a uh, couple years ago, I watched it, you know, uh, just to watch it again and, you know, kick off my creativity. And I yeah. noticed that the, you know, the snow globe that breaks at the beginning of the movie it's on the desk of the, the woman who's the singer that he ends up uh, supporting uh-huh. and being with Yeah. just the fact that it was put there like, yeah. wow, <laughs> like, wow. <laughs> yeah. And so that's the beauty. Before.
1: That's the beauty of great storytelling and especially great films is, is when, when you see it the second time,
0: right. that's
1: where you see that. That's really you, because you're no longer watching it for plot. Right. You're now saying, "I know what's going to happen here." Now I want, I want to look at the texture of what the writer is doing here, and in some cases, the director is doing here, and that's where you see, "Oh, that's that's where the brilliance is coming from." That the the underlying structure is so beautifully put together, and then how they pay it off in each scene is so beautifully put together. Uh, but but yeah, in terms of these these films that you go back to again and again, so important uh, for increasing your knowledge understanding of story techniques
0: yeah um unbelievable i really want to go see that again i you know maybe i'll pop it on this weekend while i'm here um <laughs> another element that is in every chapter that i really thoroughly enjoyed is something that you called your buildings roman reveal yeah can you tell us a little yeah. bit about what that, what that is B-
1: buildings roma is is a It's a genre that started in Europe and it means um, a story of formation. It means it's the story of, of, it's a coming of age story. It's how did this person become who they are? And typically these are about characters who they're, they're young adults And this is where they get a a deep understanding of through the obstacles in society that they go up against. They see what is truly unique about them and what is valuable about them. And that's why I, I have in the chapter, that particular chapter is memoir and coming of age, because both of those are about creating the self. And they are among the most personal and the most most emotional of all story forms um building's roman is is simply a fancy way of saying these are the key moments in my life that made a huge difference and i was forever changed after this and one of the things i love doing in the book is putting these moments in for my life mm-hmm. for my development as a writer and as a human being and of I I probably have about one per chapter, and, it, and it's typically about a particular a particular uh, film that I saw or story that I read that from then on I was I was forever changed. For example, in in the the myth chapter, I talk about I first encountered these classic myth stories uh, when I was about eight years old, and I would visit my grandmother. And she would read these stories, these these classic myth stories, Edith Hamilton's classic myth book. And it just it just blew my mind, you know, because of course, these classic Greek and Roman myths are some of the greatest stories ever told. Mm-hmm. So that really changed my sense of story and um and the value of story for my life. Another probably my favorite is uh, a Uh, Buildings Roman story that I tell in the Western Uh, because when I was in my senior year of college um, I I managed to strategize to get William Goldman invited to a dinner party where I was going to be this was a dinner party of about eight people and even though the host who was my girlfriend's father um, didn't know William Goldman. This was in New York City. Um, I said, you know, uh, this Butch Cassidy and Sundance kid is just blows my mind. And, and to this day, it is one of the all time greatest scripts ever written. So I, I I asked him, could you invite him to the dinner party? And he said, sure. So they <laughs> they <laughs> sat William Goldman at one end of the table w- with me on one side and this this woman, uh, on the other side of him, and for two hours, I asked him questions about Butch Cassidy and the Sundance Kid. And on occasion, the woman would try to talk about something other than <laughs> Butch Cassidy and the Sundance Kid, but to no avail. I would I would not allow that to happen. And William Golan was such a great guy. What you know, not only a great writer, but such a great human being. You know, he knew he had been set up to come to this thing, Um, but he just regaled me with so many insider stories about about it, writing of it and how they filmed it and all this kind of stuff. I basically had a film school education right there at that dinner party, sitting at the feet of William Goldman. And it just it really changed my life that that dinner changed my life. Um And and but the book is, as they say, has a number of these because I'm trying to personalize what great storytelling can mean mm-hmm. by saying, here's what it's meant to me. Mm-hmm. And, you know, now I'm trying to give back and, and put these, some of these techniques that I've learned out there in the world to try to
0: help writers do something really great for themselves. Yeah. Uh, piggybacking on your William Goldman, I would have killed to have done that. Um, if it, I don't think if, if it wasn't for the princess bride, I don't know that I would have made it through film school yeah and yeah. uh because when you go to film school you learn the nuts and bolts of filmmaking and you know what's behind the curtain that most people in the audience kind of subconsciously get but don't really know concretely and i got to the point where i wasn't watching movies to watch movies for enjoyment anymore i was watching the lighting and i was watching yeah. the framing and i was watching the performance and i was watching you know uh what's going on in this corner and you know mm-hmm. the girl chuckling in the back of the room kind of moments i was you know dying for those and uh, but the Princess Bride, I've probably seen that movie more than any movie ever, yeah, you know, hundreds of times. I couldn't name a shot in it now, <laughs> right? because for some reason for me, I just would submerge into the movie and watch it as a child. and that's yeah. one of the things that I love about that. So yeah, William Goldman has had a an impact across <laughs> yeah. well it
1: it's funny you should mention that Lavender because at the end of, when I talk about the William, I call it my dinner with with Goldman. At the end of that, I talk about William Gold, Goldman taught me that the true author of any film is not the director. I'm not a believer in the auteur theory. He taught me that the person that is really creating everything 90 percent of what the audience is responding to is the writer because you create the characters and the plot and the theme and the structure and the dialogue and so on and so forth and he was one of the greatest and examples like butch cassidy and princess bride when you see that kind of storytelling yeah i mean i know they're well shot I know they're well acted, but what am I responding to? I'm responding to the work of that storyteller, that writer. And William Goldman is what really showed me the beauty and the power of being a writer. Mm -hmm. And for that, I am forever grateful to him.
0: Mm -hmm. Now, I uh, had a teacher once tell me that the writer is the only person in the filmmaking process that starts with emptiness a blank page exactly everybody else is interpreting yep writer wrote including director and the cinematographer and the costume designer it's all an interpretation of that so yeah i I would agree with you wholeheartedly on that uh you know i mean author means author (laughs) we're literally the authors but in the industry exactly (laughs) to me it's a no-brainer come on man all right um Man, I could talk to you for hours. And uh, uh the next time we are in the same city, I would love to be your version and sit <laughs> on my feet and be able to, hey, uh, to get uh, on. Anytime,
1: yeah. Lavender. you're 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 terrific. I love your questions. I love talking to you about this craft that we love. Uh it's been a it's been a real pleasure. And I really appreciate you having me on as a guest
0: on your show. Uh, I am honored. Now, I do have one more question. Let me know if you don't want to get into it or not. But your final chapter is called The Future of Storytelling. Mm. And uh, I don't know if you want to reveal everything that's in that chapter, but I do really want you to talk about it because it does feel like we are in the midst of a shift in terms of storytelling going on. And you addressed that in that chapter. Can you talk about that a little bit?
1: Sure. I mean, it's obviously a big subject and i and I because the book is is so long and covers all these other genres and so on i purposely kept the chapter short but what i'm talking about really is that this concept of each genre having its own life philosophy is what makes that genre so popular with its fans Mm -hmm. but That particular life philosophy is only a small, small piece of the overall world, the overall life that we are going to live as human beings. And so I talk about the fact that what we need as readers and viewers to do and what writers need to do is write these mixed genre stories that allow the viewer to get as many of these different approaches to a successful life as possible. So my belief is that although we've already seen a huge move toward mixing genres, it's going to accelerate even more. And we see this already in things like uh, theme parks. Mm -hmm. Uh, We see it in you know, immersive storytelling that where you don't just watch the story, you live the story. So this concept of what what I talk about is what this whole book is really about is the storification of the world. In other words, increasing the understanding that, that people have that our lives are made up of stories, not just in what we watch, but what we live. And that if we can simply understand the different stories that we're living then we can we can control that we can we can have a richer life ourselves by making choices about what are the stories we want to live and so this idea of the interconnection between life and story to me is is really the future and it's something that i'm very excited about and it's something that i think is so promising in terms of because i talk in the final chapter about coming to the understanding that story is the universal religion it's not religion that separates us it's a religion that brings us together because these are stories that are enjoyed worldwide and that this is where we see our common humanity and the more we can see that the more chance we have to overcome the divisions that are just so prevalent in in our lives, not just within our own country, but country to country and so on. So it to me, it's very promising. It's very hopeful. Mm-hmm. And I think stories, people don't realize that stories will be the key for that future.
0: Wow. Another wow. <laughs> yeah. Another wow. Uh, this book is full of wows. And uh, um, and just like the book, this interview has been enlightening. Uh, thank you for taking the time. Uh, I'm so excited. Uh, can you tell me a little bit about where does the book come out? When can people get it? Where can they get it? Sure. They can order it right now.
1: Uh, go to Anatomy of Genres. That's all one word, anatomyofgenres.com. And it has a place where you can buy the book from your favorite bookstore, whatever that may be. Um, there's a bunch of them listed there. Um, the book actually comes out on November 29th. Uh, but if you pre-order, that means you'll get it right away. And, um, you know, I'm just super excited about it. And, um, I think it's going to make a huge difference in the story world. And I, um, couldn't be prouder of this book and I hope other people, everybody reading it will Love it as much as I loved writing it.
0: Um, I don't think that there's any doubt that they will. I feel honored to have been one of the people that you chose to get an advanced copy and read it. Um, And as someone, you know, I'm I'm pretty deep into the screenwriting thing. You know what I mean? You are. Yes, you are. (laughs) As someone who's that deep to have learned so much. That is a testament to the work that you have done, sir. It's fantastic. It's a book that needs to be on everyone's shelves. And get yourself a copy. You'll be happy that you did. So thank you, John, once again, for coming on the Script Cake Podcast. And uh, I look forward to having more interviews with you in the future.
1: Anytime, Lavender, I'd be happy to talk. It's been a pleasure. It's been a joy.
0: All righty. We'll talk to you soon. And until next time. (laughs) Thank you for listening to the Script Cake podcast. If you have any questions on screenwriting, please feel free to reach out to us at info at scriptcake.com. Also, please like our social media pages. We're on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter. And uh, check out our website, scriptcake.com. Until next time.